the Fantasy Football Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and I just can't wait to hear what Jeff Dooley has to say about the smackdown my fantasy team laid on his in the Washington Post League. And uh, wait, where's Jeff? Ah, yes, we will have to wait to see how Jeff can retaliate because he is off getting hitched. Very convenient. So congratulations to Jeff and the lovely Diana on their pending nuptials. He'll be out the next two weeks, but filling in in his stead, the ever-able, ever-ready Neil Greenberg. I've already gotten married, so I'm pretty much available <laughs> whenever. Well, Neil was last seen on NBC Sports Washington wielding a fart gun. So uh, <laughs> it was a it was a proud moment for my wife and my new family. I really hope the ventilation <laughs> is uh, adequate in this podcast booth. Well, as usual, we'll get to our weekly stock watch, value picks, and buyer beware segments. But first, it's time to hoist that red flag on a number of wide receivers thanks to some developments from Week Seven. And with that, let's talk about. Our big idea. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL team. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. So here's the big idea this week, and that is it's time to panic on Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams. Now, you got a little time to be a buffer here since the Green Bay Packers are on a bye this week. But Brett Hundley stepped in last week against the Saints and didn't do diddly. No, it wasn't great. Um, And it wasn't the only situation where we saw some very concerning developments at quarterback that obviously will have ripple effects on wide receivers. Yeah, in Arizona, uh, Carson Palmer out with a broken arm. Drew Stanton in, yay. In Denver, Trevor Simeon continues to be... Well, Trevor Simeon, I guess, but not a bad version of Trevor yeah, Simeon. Bad Trevor. Trevor was a good version. If of there him. was such a thing, exactly. And in Washington, Kirk Cousins has been great, and the receivers have been MIA. We'll talk about that one in a little bit. But let's start out talking about Green Bay and Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, and Randall Cobb. Now, of the three, I'm the least concerned about Cobb because he's more of a possession receiver, and I could see that offense being a little bit more conservative and functioning through him and Aaron Jones, Ty Montgomery, a little bit more. But those deep balls that Aaron Rodgers was so adept at finding his, uh, his deep threats in Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson, I, I am panicking if I have either of those two guys. <laughs> I, I think it's fair to panic on any and all of them, and I do not share your optimism about Randall Cobb one bit. I mean, going into this week, I was asked on, on another podcast to sort of offer my thoughts about what, what might happen with the Green Bay passing attack, and I said, you know, if you bump everyone down a notch, then Jordy Nelson goes from being a wide receiver one to a wide receiver two. Devontae Adams goes from wide receiver two to wide receiver three flex guy. And what does that mean for a guy like Randall Cobb, who's right. you know, not doing that well to begin with? It, you know, Maybe they're all just get bumped down to irrelevance because the early results were awful. Brett Hundley completed just 12 of 25 passes, 87 yards, uh, zero touchdowns, one yeah. interception. And then you look at the numbers for the receivers. I mean, Jordy Nelson, one catch for 13 yards. Devontae Adams, two for 12. Randall Cobb for two for 15. Uh, Geronimo Allison, if you want to include it, you know, one for 14. I mean, we can expect, I think, some improvement from Brett Hundley, but I think it's definitely panic time for owners of all those fantasy players. And I think, you know, if you have Jordy Nelson, you spend a high pick on him. I think you're going to roll him out for one more week. But if, he, if this sort of thing continues, then, you know, you have to really think about putting him on your bench. The problem here, I think, is twofold. One, 
um, Brett Hundley obviously is a huge downgrade from Aaron Rodgers. As anyone would be. At, right, without yes. a doubt. But I think the, the game plan against Green Bay now is to try to pressure Hundley into making bad decisions. He was pressured on almost half his passing snaps this year already, whereas Aaron Rodgers was only pressured on about a third. So that's a huge difference. Um, two, a lot of people, we talked about this probably the last time I was on the show before Drass even started, are banking on these wide receivers in a zero RB type strategy. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, Jordy Nelson especially was one of these guys that was picked in the first round. It's It has ripple effects everywhere. And, you know, I don't know if you can trust any of these guys. And you, and you almost need to trust Jordy Nelson because chances are you have a whole strategy built around him. Right. So let's say you do want to abandon ship, and this could be a good week to do it with these guys on a buy. What sort of return could you expect for any of these guys? I mean, as you said, knock them down a peg. Are you are you taking a low-end wide receiver two back for Jordy Nelson right now or uh, an RB2? Depending on how your team is set up, if you need a running back, I would take an RB2 back for him for sure. You know, I, yeah, I would, I would, I would sell him for a for a mid tier wide receiver too. You know, I don't, I don't think we know that the bottom has fallen out completely. I didn't want to overreact a lot. You so know, you're not dumping him to waivers. No, I mean the issue with Devont. I mean one of the issues here is that Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson have been unusually uh, touchdown dependent to get a lot of their value from. I mean even now coming out of that week, Nelson is still tied for the most touchdowns with six. Devontae Adams is right behind him at five, and they're both much further down in terms of yardage and reception. So that really shows you the percentage that their fantasy scoring has come from. Touchdown, so that's a major worry mm-hmm. for them because mm-hmm. Brett Hundley obviously can't move the offense or isn't necessarily looking for them in the end zone. And then you, what you saw in that in that game was that the Packers against the Saints kind of went to a ground attack, and you might expect that. And Aaron Jones looked really good. So you're not only talking about uh, a much less efficient passing attack, but possibly a lot less volume as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everyone thinks Green Bay would be smart to trim its sails offensively and, yeah, try to feed the ball to their running backs as much as possible. So now the volume goes down as well. I would trade Jordy Nelson for for a mid-tier wide receiver, absolutely. I mean, I don't know, somebody like Jarvis Landry sort of comes to mind? Okay, okay. So, Neil, obviously Green Bay wasn't the only situation here that was severely impacted. Arizona, Larry Fitzgerald, John Brown, Jaron Brown, J.J. Nelson. Any of those stick out as particularly downgraded after this uh, Carson Palmer injury? Well, John Brown for sure, because he is the deep threat, right? And chances are you're not going to have as many deep throws as you would if you had a healthy Carson Palmer. Um, Larry Fitzgerald, much like Randall Cobb, that rece- that possession-type receiver. But um, the plus, big- plus, I feel like if you're going to look for anyone in that wide receiver core— you're going to look for the Hall of Famer. Right. <laughs> and you're going to look for the safety valve, too, right? I mean, right. that's going to be the guy right. that's going across the middle trying to get even short yardage. Another concern for Arizona is now without Carson Palmer, and obviously they lost David Johnson early in the season, this is the worst red zone offense in the league. It's the worst goal-to-go offense in the league. Um, they have a lot of—a third of their uh, drives go three and out. I mean, there's just—there's— this isn't a team that can get the ball downfield, and if they do happen to get the ball downfield, they're not very good at converting. Um, so if if I had to pick a guy out of this group, I'd probably pick Larry Fitzgerald for a flex-type position. Um, but all the others just seem a little bit too yardage-dependent, too much freewheeling down the field to have any sort of confidence with them in my lineup. Yeah, this, to me, of the situations that came, that we came out of uh, last week from is the most concerning. You know, if we had to rank them on the panicometer, <laughs> I would put the Cardinals at the top. Uh, Green Bay probably right behind them. The Broncos, 
you know, and uh, the Dolphins obviously got a quarterback injured as well, and I would put them at the bottom of that because going from Jay Cutler to Matt Moore might be an upgrade yeah, for all yeah, we know. Right. We, we actually left them out of this segment for exactly that reason. <laughs> right. And, and They're and finally playing their best quarterback <laughs> in the game. <laughs> and the Washington situation is odd, and we'll get to that, but it, just in terms of what we can expect from, this, from a team passing attack going forward, I think the Cardinals take the biggest hit here because Drew Stanton has been nothing but awful, and he's, it's not like there's any hope of him really getting better. He's been in this league a long time. I think this is his ninth season. And at least Green Bay has a ground attack that you have to respect, and you can't just continually go passing. Right. Arizona doesn't have that luxury Green anymore. Bay can threaten teams on the ground. And, I mean, with Brett Hundley, look, we can expect some improvement. And I think we saw when, um, when Aaron Rodgers went down in 2013, and maybe this is a little bit of apples to oranges, but they were able to fill in for seven games with the likes of Matt Flynn and Scott Tolzien and even Seneca Wallace started a game. And actually they were reasonably productive as a passing attack. They had four out of those seven games I think they passed for – over 280 yards. Uh, so, you know, they were able to, so maybe, you know, Mike McCarthy, there's sort of a different opinion about how great a coach he is, but maybe, you know, I'm just saying with, in the case of Brett Hundley, maybe we can expect improvement over the next few games. With Drew Stanton, I, I don't know yeah. what you can expect. He's a, he's a career completion percentage of 52.7, which is terrible. <laughs> his touchdown percentage for his career is 2.7, not good. Interception percentage, 3.9, terrible. Career passer rating, 65.0. You know, the most you can hope with Drew Stanton is probably that he gets replaced at some point with Blaine Gabbert, right? And that's, wow. that's literally what we've come to here. Gabbert's career number is not much better. I will say this for Gabbert. In 2015, he was not terrible. Uh, and this is with the 49ers. He completed 63.1% of his passes. That's pretty good. And this is in limited action. Ten touchdowns, seven interceptions, a passer rating of 86.2. He actually looked like he might have slowly, after starting his career as a monumental bust, might be starting to figure some things out. Then he was right back to being awful in 2016. But in fairness to him, last season, this is what the 49ers, their leading receivers that year were Jeremy Curley by a lot, mm. Quentin Patton, Sean Drone, and Garrett Selleck. So, wow. Yeah, not exactly a Hall of Fame uh, crew. So, you know, whoever's playing for the Cardinals will have a, a better, better uh, receivers to work with there. You've got John Brown, J.J. Nelson, Jerron Brown, in addition to Larry Fitzgerald. But, boy, it looks pretty grim in, in Arizona. And that's before you even get to their schedule, which, okay, they, um, they have a bye then they have the Seahawks, Texans, Jaguars, Rams. Titans are, are not great. Redskins, Giants, and the Seahawks again, although that's in Week 17. So some pretty tough pass defenses coming up in the near future as well. Well, I feel pretty good about selling Larry Fitzgerald a week earlier than uh, I'm glad I cashed in while I could. All right, so out in Denver, Neil, they are coming off a game against the, I was going to say San Diego. I stopped myself. Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, which would have seemed fairly fortuitous for fantasy prospects. Instead, they get shut out, and Demarius Thomas does absolutely bupkiss. Trevor Simeon looks bad for a, at least a second straight game. Emmanuel Sanders was injured, but how concerned are you with Simeon back there that Thomas and Sanders continue to have high-end wide receiver value? I don't think they do with him under center. He's a below-average quarterback. He costs the team a little bit more than a point per game over an average quarterback this season. Um, I know Pro Football Focus has him ranked uh, 33 out of 34 passes passers. Who's worse? Uh, they actually have Deshaun Watson <laughs> worse. What? Uh, so that's something maybe we could talk about another day. <laughs> um, the, he's also 27 out of 32 qualified passers in ESPN's quarterback rating, uh, QBR. So you don't have a good passer to start with, and the offensive line isn't good. They're allowing... That's true. Um, they're ranked 29 out of 32 per pro football focus uh, overall grades. So you have a, a, a bad offensive line in front of a bad quarterback. 
doesn't matter what wide receivers you have out there. If he doesn't have time to throw or can't get good throws off, they're mm-hmm. not going to be productive. So it's kind of a double whammy. And, you know, Demarius Thomas has always been this boomer bust type receiver also in his career. I know he had that one solid season with Peyton Manning that kind of put him on the map. But since then, um, it's been a lot of highs and a lot of lows as well. Um, and like you said, if, if Emmanuel Sanders isn't even 100%, that just lowers his value even more. I mean, I, I feel less panicky about this situation because you know that the targets are going to keep coming to Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders when Sanders gets back, and I think he might be back as, as early as this week. It is very concerning how poorly Trevor Simeon has played, but we saw him start off the season really well in the mm-hmm. first two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think he accounted for, I think he had seven touchdown passes and a, and a total of eight if, with, a, with a rushing touchdown. Since then, I think he has two touchdown passes and five interceptions in his past four mm-hmm. games, so that's not going to cut it. And we And like Anil was saying, we've seen uh, Demarius Thomas yo-yo. He went, you know, he had 10 catches for 133 yards a week a week before last week. So, and that's with Trevor Simeon, obviously. But he had just one catch for 11 yards two weeks before that, and obviously he had two catches for nine yards in this game. I think we've seen Demarius Thomas do okay, uh, with, even with t- when Tim Tebow was there, and yeah. even when Peyton Manning was saying something, and when Peyton Manning was was sort of latter stage, not great right. Peyton Manning. So I think we've seen Demarius Thomas, you know, put up decent numbers in not ideal circumstances. So I wouldn't panic trade him just yet, and I certainly wouldn't trade him coming off a two catch nine yard game. I, you know, like if if you think the pendulum swings back and forth with him, then you can hope for better things in the near future. And I think you can say the same with Emmanuel Sanders, who's been fairly steady. Mm-hmm. I guess what I mean is. It's possible that Simeon is just—he's just not that great of a quarterback, and he has highs and lows, and he's—he's he's gone through this tremendous low period, and maybe he'll get his act together a little bit. Lord knows, nobody wants to see Brock Osweiler come right. in relief. That would the really, Brockening. Yeah, exactly the Brockening. And apparently Paxton Lynch was—you know—is like the AFC West answer to uh, Christian Hackenberg because uh, he's just not going to get on the field. It seems. Yeah, it, it definitely seems that way. And I, I like your point, uh, Des, that we have seen Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders with bad quarterbacks before. Yeah, it was just that one of them happened to be named Peyton Manning, even though he was a really bad year for Peyton Manning. I'm actually pretty high on Demaria Thomas as a buy low. Last week, remember, I pointed this out on the show, he was shadowed by Casey Hayward, who is one of the best cover corners in the league. Yeah, you did call that. I Give did. Credit. Thank you. Uh, and I think if there's an owner out there who's a little bit too panicky, you might be able to get a pretty good price on Demarius Thomas. Now, last situation in Washington. Kirk Cousins is fine. He's thrown 300 yards a game. The offense seems to be clicking, except for the fact that the wide receivers aren't the ones catching the ball. Chris Thompson is leading this team in uh, receiving yardage. Jordan Reed has gotten healthy with two touchdowns last week. Vernon Davis, every game he's running down the seam for a 50-yard catch, it feels like. But Terrell Pryor, completely MIA. Josh Doxson just starting to get into the mix, and Jamison Crowder not nearly the threat we all thought he would be. Neil, what's going on? Well, I, I think this is a case of losing two really good receivers in Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson and replacing them with guys who were flourishing with them on the, on the um, field because they were sucking up all the defensive oxygen <laughs> that was out there, right? I mean, obviously, they were keying in on Deshaun Jackson as a deep threat. They were making sure that Pierre Garçon didn't hurt them um, over the middle, and that left a guy like um, Jamison Crowder able to work a little bit more freely in the slot. Now that there aren't those deep threats like there were last year, and not only is it more difficult for them to get yardage, but the coaching staff seems to be 
hell-bent on getting Docs in, a, a former first-round pick, as much targets as they can, as much snaps as they can, and they're coming at the expense of Terrell Pryor, which has a lot of people <laughs> surprised right. because um, it came out of nowhere. One week he's on the field for 8 out of 10 snaps, and the next week he's he's not even on for half. Um, that's a pretty big uh, reversal, and it doesn't look like it's something that's going to change anytime soon. No, Gruden was pretty clear that he intends to use Doxon more going forward, and that will come at the expense of Pryor. They both play that X receiver position, right. and that's the the key thing for me, and that's why I'm the most scared about Pryor going forward, Des. Absolutely. But what what concerns you about the situation? Is, is Pryor a lost cause at this point? It seems crazy for how high he was drafted. I mean, it's it's it was very very bad news what happened to him. He he played more in the second half and uh, well he, he got played third. in the second half. Yeah, yeah he played true. <laughs> he was essentially benched in the first half. I think he had one snap. Yeah, one snap. Yeah, so okay, he played. All in the his second targets half. came in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so he got all right. So he was on the field for I, I think thirty snaps altogether. Doxon was on there for fifty four. If you just look strictly in terms of those numbers, the snap counts fifty four to thirty. Like it's not great, but it's not also the end of the world. And I don't think that we've seen the entire playing out of this situation. If you've had um, Terrell Pryor this whole time, like I don't know that you've been starting him, and if you've been hanging on to him hoping for better things, maybe this is just the, the kick you need to, to, to boot him off your team. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily trade him, though, because what are you going to get for him? Like, right, maybe, exactly. Right. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe... Maybe Jay Gruden changed his mind, or maybe, I mean, Doxon has a history of injury. I agree that it is very worrisome because they do play the same position. There's no reason to see them both on the field extensively at the same time. So, it, you know, it's nothing but bad bad news there. I, I think the other concern is even if he's healthy, right, he's still at best the third option in terms of where Kirk Cousins wants to get the ball behind Chris Thompson and Jordan Reed. Right. And, and, uh, and prior... You know, if you, if you think about just the, the team dynamics, I mean, Doxon is the recent first-round pick. Right. And Pryor is the guy who's there on a one-year deal who came from elsewhere and could just easily be gone next year. It wasn't right. even like a hefty one-year deal. It was kind of a low price. Where are you going to invest your go. time? Right. So there's really no reason for to think that they want to invest a ton of time and energy and playing time in, into Terrell Pryor, at the, certainly at the expense of Josh Doxon. Yeah. Uh, just in this morning, actually, uh, up on the website, uh, WashingtonPost.com right now from Master Tesfatsian, uh, in the, red, the bottom of the Redskins mailbag, there's a really interesting question and answer from him. He's saying they're going to see a lot more two and three wide receiver sets going forward. They actually wanted to deploy them in the second half against Philadelphia, and then the Eagles scored 14 points in like you know three minutes or whatever it was. But I think Vernon Davis, uh, his value is on the rise. Jordan Reed, obviously, will start to look like Jordan Reed again. And he also hints in there that Jamison Crowder was dealing with a hip injury and a hamstring problem that nagged him a lot more than we were led to believe. So Crowder might be on the rise as well. Uh, but it certainly seems like Doxon is going to be prioritized over prior going forward. Use that information accordingly. <laughs> right. And, you know, I had mentioned... Uh, uh, Jarvis Landry is maybe a trade target for for Jordy Nelson. I mean, some of these guys mm-hmm. we're saying, you know, like in Terrell Pryor's case, like you might not be able to get for them. I did put together a few names of some wide receivers you might be able to get fairly cheap. I'll start it with the most expensive one, Kelvin Benjamin, because he really hasn't had uh, um, any monstrous games this year. He's been kind of steady, but he had kind of a poor game last week. The Panthers have a pretty good schedule the rest of the way. You might be able to get him at a bit of a discount, especially with the narrative that maybe Cam Newton's kind of lost it or Devin Funches is taken over there. I think that's the only way I'd trade him away <laughs> right. is if, yeah, Cam's uh, Sterling Shepard is a guy to try to get on the cheap. You know, he's going to come back to a voluminous situation with the Giants. <laughs> he's been out with injury, so he hasn't put Number up any stats Number one by default. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Evan Engram might be st- still be their top receiver but there, but Sterling Shepard should certainly be the top wide receiver there. Jeremy Macklin is another guy who's been out with injury, hasn't done much this season. 
may not do much the rest of the season, but Baltimore is another team with, with, with a decent uh, wide receiver-friendly schedule the rest of the way, and he, did, he was supposed to be the top receiver there, at least you know, in terms of volume. Uh, so you might take a flyer on him. That feels like forever ago when we were talking about <laughs> Vernon Macklin. Uh, Jeremy Macklin. Or Jeremy Macklin. Vernon Macklin, the old basketball player. Sorry about that. <laughs> and then uh, my final name, and this is this is a, a total flyer, but I, I, I there is a, there's a case to be made for Jordan Matthews. He's coming back to the Bills, played really sparingly, coming off a broken thumb. The, look, the Bills need somebody to step up a wide receiver. I'm not sure it's going to be Deontay Thompson, who did have a big game last week. Uh, you know, Matthews, they traded for him in the offseason. They got rid of everybody else. Zay Jones, I just need to point out the stack because it's oh, unbelievable. His 20, he has a 21.9% catch rate. I Ugh. mean, that is unfathomably terrible. It's the worst for the NFL. Uh, this is courtesy of Graham Barfield. Worst in the NFL for any wide receiver with at least 30 targets in a single season since 1992. That's not the kind of stat you want to lead. <laughs> no. So Jordan Matthews should be able to come back and immediately you know, reestablish himself in, in that passing attack for whatever that's worth. Right. Well, let's look on the bright side and get into our stock watch. Stock watch. Stock watch. So he's coming off a big game against the Redskins, so it probably shouldn't surprise anyone when Carson Wentz is leading our stock watch. Should it, Des? Uh, no, and I'm not exactly going to be the first to tout him. Uh, you know, coming off that game, I think everyone was saying, "Oh my God, this guy is amazing." MVP, baby. I mean, he's second to Alex Smith in fantasy scoring. He has the most TD passes in the league, third most rushing yards. So, I mean, he's giving, he's getting it done in in every way you might want a, a quarterback to do it for you in fantasy and in real life. I mean, you just and I have to. Um, it's too bad Jeff's not here because he was the one ca- touting Carson Wentz way back in our very first QB preview podcast in July. He said he was he was a player to watch. He's liked him this whole time. So, uh, Jeff, if you're listening, uh, good job by you. In his past three games, Wentz has had 11 TD passes. So Ooh. he's gone four, three, and four. I mean, you can't. So he's gotten red hot. He, yeah. he came out of the gates doing okay, but not great. But he's really gotten hot. And of course, who are the who do the uh, who do the Eagles play? The 49ers. So you can't ask for a much the better matchup than that. The winless 49ers, <laughs> exactly. baby. So, you know, I don't know if there's much more to be said for him except stock way up on Carson Wentz. Is he basically like the Google uh, or I don't even I haven't looked at the stock <laughs> exchange lately. Is is he is he the gold chip stock right now? The Amazon of the stock exchange. You the mean? Amazon, yes. I, excuse <laughs> me. I am a company man. I mean, he's his his value has soared. I mean, he put himself on the map what 2 weeks ago with a big performance and then he had that brilliant game against Carolina in prime time, and then followed that up with the win against Washington. We were looking at the third most valuable quarterback per ESPN. Um, He obviously gets high marks from the game charts at Pro Football Focus. And he he could even get better because he's got the fourth easiest schedule coming up, starting with San Francisco. And the thing about San Francisco is they have one of the best run defenses in the league. So the game plan is going to be to pass in order to, to move the chains on them. So it could be an even bigger day for Carson Wentz, in which case people just go bananas. Last week and probably the week before, we were doubting Tyrod Taylor, but now stock's pointing up, Des. Yeah, you know, you, he came out of buy and pretty much took care of business against a bad pe- pass defense in the, in the Buccaneers, and he's going to get a few more pa- bad pass defenses the rest of the way. I mean, more than more than one fantasy site has him ranked as having the friendliest fantasy schedule or, or top two the rest of the way. And like I said, he's through his buy. You know, he really got it done against the Buccaneers, and you like to see him throw for 268 yards. And like I said, his top receiver in that game was Deontay Thompson. So he's finding ways to get the most out of what he has. I already talked about Jordan Matthews getting over his broken thumb. He should be more ready to go this, you know, this coming week. Charles Clay will probably be back in a couple weeks. And then the other thing we saw out of Tyrod Taylor is he had 53 rushing yards, and that's yep. really the thing that boosts his value. He hadn't 
been doing that much running prior to that. He, I think he had one other game of 55, but most of his other games weren't that great. So if he's going to give you that rushing yardage, then you know I think he's he's a, he's a QB one, like a, a low end QB one. Didn't I read like two weeks ago that Tyrod Taylor was a guy you wanted to grab on the waiver wire for some of the quarterback injuries? I believe that was on the WashingtonPost.com. Yeah, yeah. I some, some who wrote it? Yeah, some schmo. I think. I forget who, what handsome gentleman wrote mm-hmm. it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean this is something. This is the type of games that we were expecting from Tyrod Taylor a couple weeks ago. In turn, after you, when you started looking forward, he's. He's he's a legitimate dual threat quarterback that can help you both in the passing game and on the ground. Um, he's a threat in the red zone, and like Des said, once the receivers get a little bit healthier, he'll have even more targets to throw to. I think that this could be a good end of season for him. Yeah, and, and Clay's been out, but Nick O'Leary, uh, the Florida State product, kind of yeah. stepped in, like done, you know, averaged some pretty nice yardage per catch. He's got Logan Thomas there. Yeah, you know, they connected the end. other day. Yeah. yeah, the Virginia Tech connection, yeah. one, one Fox Tech quarterback to another <laughs> uh, for a touchdown. So you know, he's like I said, he's making something out of if not nothing, very little. So when, once talent starts coming back, you know, the it could really be good for him. Yeah, Neil, you mentioned him as a replacement for Aaron Rodgers. Certainly would apply for Carson Palmer owners as well. Final name on the up list, tight end in Los Angeles. Almost did it again. Almost yep. at San Diego again. But Hunter Henry, get the Patriots this week. Exactly. I mean, that's that's generally been good for what else anybody. Not that he's been ailing in any respect. Uh, you know, we start we he started off the season so shaky. He had zero targets week one. We talked about that at the time. That was very panic inducing. Had a pretty decent game in week two. Then again, had no targets in week three. And looked like he was behind Antonio Gates in the pecking order. So it looked really shaky for him. But in the past three straight games, he's run more routes than Antonio Gates, and he has a, either a touchdown or seventy three plus receiving yards in five of of his past six. And that's about as good as you can hope for from a tight end, and over the past three weeks, he has 20 targets. Antonio Gates has five. Uh, So I think he's clearly eclipsed, finally put Gates fully in the rearview mirror. He's clearly the top tight end on on a team that likes to throw, and obviously we know Philip Rivers does like to throw to his tight end, so looks good for Henry going forward. And he has he's producing yards after the catch, too. He had 45 and 49 yards after the catch the last two games. That's big game potential, and when you're looking at tight ends who – can be boom or bust. You want a guy that can get the ball and run and make some things happen. Des, you mentioned the frustrating split between Gates and Henry. The same probably applies to the first name on our down list, the confounding Derrick Henry, who can't seem to shake DeMarco Murray. Uh, not only shake, yeah, I think he's. I think we can say he's behind him in the pecking order again in um, in, in a conclusive way, mm-hmm. although you know, we have a whole rest of the season to go. And obviously the Titans are going on by, so we're not going to find anything out this week. I just had to bring up his name after he ran for 13 yards on 13 carries. Yeah. That's, that's, not, that's not great. That's uh, only 13 more than I had, and I was <laughs> home. Exactly. Not <laughs> so good. I mean, DeMarco Murray, by contrast, I mean, he averaged 3.3 yards per carry, but that's a lot better than 1.0. <laughs> <laughs> and, if you, and if you look at math, if you look at exactly, if you look at Derrick Henry, um, he's in two of his past three games, he's had before this, before averaging 1.0 yards per carry, he's had games of averaging 1.2 yards and 2.3 yards. And even the game he had uh, a couple weeks ago where he had that huge run, and maybe this is unfair, but if you take that 72 yard run out of it because it happened at the end of the game, it was kind of garbage time ish. Up to that point, and that was like his last play of the game, up to that point, he'd had 59 yards and 18 carries. So that's a 3.3 average. So in general, you know he's 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 had one huge play and otherwise been extremely sluggish on the ground and it just in general I think Demarco Murray is 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 going relatively unchallenged for the time being as the top back there. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit surprising. I mean, Demarco Murray is no spring chicken too, and right right now Henry is averaging three point six yards per carry after contact. Uh, 
1.3 yards more than DeMarco Murray. Even if you take out those big gains, I still think he's probably ahead of DeMarco in terms of being able to, 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 to push the pile. And if you're Tennessee, you know, why, why, wouldn't you, <laughs> why wouldn't you want that? I mean, it's something that's a head-scratcher. I don't know, but, but DeMarco Murray's had this sort of nagging hamstring issue. So, if, you know, if you can't jump him on the depth chart while that's happening, right. and now they have a bye for him to rest up and get better. So, you know, I, I, just, I think Derrick Henry's going to be a tough start until we see something really change there. During the big idea segment, Des, you mentioned that Green Bay might try and simplify the offense, really lead on its running game. That figures to be good things for Aaron Jones, but not Ty Montgomery. Yeah, I think what we saw last week had to be really worrisome for Ty Montgomery owners, mostly because he barely got on the field. He had five touches. Aaron Jones had 20. Uh, he, he's now been outsnapped by 81 to 27 by Aaron Jones. The thing you might hope for with Ty Montgomery is he's been recovering from a, a rib injury. And so, you know, maybe he's just taken a while to recover. They're also going into a bye this week, so maybe he, he'll have time to get better from that. And so when they come back, maybe we'll see something different. But clearly, in the past two games where they've been on the field together, uh, past three games, really, uh, Aaron Jones has shone. And so, you know, it, it's obviously worrisome for Ty Montgomery. I mean, the other thing is, if Green Bay can't move the ball very much on offense and they fall behind, Montgomery still figures to be the passing downs back. So right. I'm not saying all hope is lost, but you have to say stock down when you saw what happened in the last game. Well, he was an automatic starter for the first three weeks of the season or so. I think he's definitely lost that status. I, I don't know if you can start him with any confidence right now. No, you, you're if you're at this point in the season, you're you're either – Trying to make the playoffs, or you have a pretty good chance at the playoffs, and your your level of risk is is a lot lower. So you can't you can't you can't go with a guy like Ty Montgomery and have him only get seven of fifty five offensive snaps in a game. I mean that just will you might as well just have a zero in there. So it's it's gonna be very difficult. Plus, I mean, look, Aaron Jones has outplayed him, right? I mean, they have the same number of of, of carries. Um, Aaron Jones has five runs of fifteen yards or more. Ty Montgomery has zero. Maybe that's an injury issue, but you can't. I don't think that you can justify a switch based on production, and I also don't know if you want to make a switch with Hunley trying to learn the offense, get comfortable with some guys he hasn't played with before. You know, you have uh, you have Aaron Jones in there. I'm not quite sure how quickly they want to take him out and make some changes. Our last name on the list is a guy who won't lose his job anytime soon in the real world, but he probably should for fantasy purposes. Matt Ryan. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Matt Ryan owner, you don't need me to tell you his stock <laughs> is down. I mean, it had it, it's the the now the panic meter is certainly setting in with him because he just played the Patriots and still did almost nothing. Yeah. That was a get right game. I mean, the I mean, worst it's been for everybody else, right? Yeah, they had given up nothing but 300 yard <laughs> passing games this whole season. They set a record for that. I mean, they let Josh McCown just throw all over them. You know, and he can only muster 233 yards passing, one touchdown, kind of garbagey toward yeah. the, toward the end of, to Julio Jones. Almost beat me uh, in a game. And yeah, yeah. not that I'm bitter. The the Patriots defense is bad against the pass, and they're a good team, so you're playing behind. So you have like two two things in your favor if you're a if you're, if you're a quarterback in for theory. fantasy purposes that should boost your your value up a little bit. And I mean, you know, a lot of people are pointing the finger at offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian, and I think with very good reason. He took over from Kyle Shanahan, who everyone regards as, as a brilliant offensive mind. Sarkeesian has been in the college ranks this whole time, was at Alabama, which I don't know is, has always been known for its brilliance in, in offensive scheming. You know, and I, and I, th I think the teams are really starting to figure the Falcons out. I mean, since week two, they've gone from 34 points to 30 to 17 to 17 to 7. That is a trend. <laughs> you know, they led the league in scoring at 33.8 points per game last, last year. They're averaging 22.8 this game. They just had a, a, t a scoring drought of like over 90 minutes, a game and a half where they didn't get, you know, they didn't score any points, stretching from the uh, the Dolphins game to the, to the New England game. I mean, it's just been a complete disaster there. Um, 
Warren Sharp has pointed out online that they're one of the problems with them is they're being much less aggressive on first down. Way less aggressive. And so maybe, you know, and in that sense, maybe they are becoming more predictable. Maybe they are much more conservative than they need to be. Maybe they just need to let Matt Ryan cut loose. I think he does make for an interesting by low candidate. You could probably get him for a song because he can't be this bad, right? I mean, you would think. You would think like they're not going to go a whole season being this terrible on offense. There's too much talent there. I mean, you're talking about a difference between 10 net yards in last year on first down versus 7.5 net yards this year. So basically last year when Matt Ryan threw on first down, he got another first down on average. Yeah. That's, that's not happening this time. And he's throwing more interceptions, twice as many on first down than he did last year. You put those two together, I mean, it's no, it's no secret as to why the offense is struggling to, to get some traction against any defense, even one as bad as New England's. Well, his next attempt to get right is against the Jets. Let's see if Matty Ice stays frosty. Value pick. Into the bargain bin we go. Neil, who you like this week? I like Cincinnati Bengals running back Joe Mixon against the Indianapolis Colts. Colts have allowed a league-high 10 touchdowns to running backs this season. Uh, talk about a get-right game. This could be it for Mixon. Yeah, the Bengals could definitely use some of that for their entire offense. Uh, A.J. Green is about the only fantasy viable player on that team right now, Des. Yeah, they had a really weird game last week. Mixon actually did did pretty well on a per-touch basis, but just didn't get any, and he had no carries, I think, in the second half. And the game wasn't completely out of hand, and I think he kind of played the squeaky wheel this week, so we'll see if he gets the grease. Des, I like your name a lot this week. I have him in a couple of leagues, and I haven't been able to use him as much because he's been out with injury. Now yep. it seems like he's got a chance to shine. Yeah, uh, I'm talking about Wendell Smallwood of the Eagles. They're playing the 49ers. I think Neil may have said that the 49ers' uh, run defense was good. I don't know if I agree with that. They're allowing the most fantasy points to running backs on the season. We just saw what Zeke Elliott did, and Wendell Smallwood's no no Ezekiel Elliott. Right, I think that might have been skewing the uh, (laughs) season-long numbers a little bit. It might have been. But, um, you know, I I think Wendell Smallwood is a more versatile running back than LeGarrette Blunt. I know that, Mm -hmm. uh, than LeGarrette Blunt. (laughs) And LeBlunt's, you know, been actually having a pretty decent season. But I think Smallwood is a kind of player that can be out on the field in more situations situations. He had eight carries last week. Blunt had 14. Neither of them did, did much of those carries, but I just think that was sort of a, a get-back-on-the-field game for Wendell Smallwood, and I think we could see bigger things ahead for him. So, And obviously that Eagles offense is just chugging along, so yeah. anybody who's going to get you know, upwards of, of a dozen touches in that offense is someone you have to, you have to like uh, in terms of their fantasy production. Well, in terms of PPR, Keenan Allen is always a good name to know. Uh, he's certainly going to be in your season-long lineups pretty much every week, but he's definitely going to be in some daily fantasy lineups of mine this coming weekend right now according to DraftKings he's the seventh highest salary wide receiver which to me is a bargain against the Patriots defense who has yielded 646 yards on the season to slot receivers that's 125 more than the next closest team so by far the worst Scott Barrett uh, from pro football focus touted him in our weekly matchups post today so I am buying in on Keenan Allen for week eight Fire beware. 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 And speaking of buying, you're going to want to stay away from some of these guys, starting with the guy who absolutely blew up in Week 7, the quick fade on Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, I just don't want to say he's all the way back. He had a huge game, and we all saw it. It was on national TV. But even in that game... Kind of inefficient. He had a whopping 19 targets. So I, if he's going to get 19 targets, fine, he's back. You know, so to turn to get 11 catches, 210 yards is pretty huge. I, you know, one of those and two touchdowns. One of those touchdown catches, I still think, was offensive pass interference. I'm not sure why. Yeah, they that, picked up that, the flag that's on that. A big swing. That was kind of weird. But you have this game. 
you know, I think there's there may maybe because Amari Cooper's always had that great reputation, and maybe the narrative will be here like, oh, this is the Amari Cooper we're expecting to see. But I don't know if it should been. I mean, he had no he had 84 yards total, no touchdowns in his previous five games, and that seemed like this crazy dry spell. But actually, you have to go back to October 30th, 2016, to find a game where he had over 76 yards receiving. I mean, prior to this last game, so it's been like almost a, it's been a, a almost a calendar year since he had what you might consider a good you know a, a really good game receiving, and you have to go back that far to find a game where he had more than six receptions. So in other words, he has not been a wide receiver one at all for almost a calendar year and uh, barely a wide receiver, too, even. So I look at this game as kind of the aberration. I need to see more from Amari Cooper before I'm buying in. One of the guys that I'm very leery about is Kareem Hunt from Kansas City Chiefs. Talk about a guy. uh, Number one running back in the league. Absolutely went bonkers during the first couple weeks of the season. Last two games, 227 yards from scrimmage, zero touchdowns. This week he's going to face a Denver Broncos defense, which is the best run defense in the league, uh, allowing three yards per carry. Here's the other thing about Denver. They, they're they a shutdown defense. Opponents are scoring— Tell that to the Giants, my yeah, they're They're scoring seven and a half points on the ground per game less than expected after you factor in down distance and field position. So if Kareem Hunt was going to be getting a touchdown, <laughs> that might be soaked up by the defense. Um, I get if, you don't, if you're not going to sit him in your redraft leagues, but I, I don't think he's a play in, in DFS at all this week. All right, well, my cautionary tale will be told in London. I'm staying away from the Vikings or the Browns. None of these guys are, are fantasy mainstays. So you have or should have options on your roster if you're in a redraft or, or season-long league. Pick another one. There's just so much quirky stuff that happens in these England games. I don't know if it's the time difference, the travel, whatever it is. Always something seems to be totally wonky. If you have other options, and I hope you do, stay away. What to watch for. Week 8 coming up. We're going to see some interesting injury situations resolved. Neil, what are you looking for this week? I'm keeping an eye on uh, the Chargers versus Patriots. They're they're not great defenses. I know that the Chargers had the shutout, but Patriots ranked 30 net yards allowed per pass and 29th in rushing yards allowed per carry. Chargers ranked 31st in rushing yards per carry. Uh, allowed so uh, so someone is gonna someone might get <laughs> whooped in this game. You know you mentioned Keenan Allen before going up against his Patriot defense. Patriots have allowed 14 completions of at least 20 yards past the line of scrimmage this season. Only the Colts and Chiefs have allowed more. So talk about big game potential. Hmm. Um, you know Keenan Allen could be could be in for some long touchdown passes. All in on Allen. <laughs> 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 Moving on. Uh, I am going to look at the Texans playing the Seahawks. They're at Seattle. That's a tough spot. Seattle allowing the they're the four stingiest fantasy defense to quarterbacks and running backs. Uh, Deshaun Watson actually obviously will be a focus of everyone in the in uh, nationally because he's become such a high profile player. He's fifth in quarterback scoring. You know this will be a real test for him, and we'll see if he can keep up his hot streak or if he's going to revert to form. You talked about Pro Football Focus not grading him very well. I think there are some regression possibilities with him. So if he, but if he can play well at Seattle, then you have to feel extremely good about him going forward. And Will Fuller, the guy who has five touchdowns at eight receptions in three games, that seems extremely unsustainable. You think? Can, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but who knows? Maybe it's a thing. Can he get in the end zone again, or can he rack up yardage and catches for the first time in a game? Maybe. And then the other thing is Lamar Miller, Don. 
Deontay Foreman battle. Miller clearly has the edge. Foreman's been getting more work, though, and a lot of people feel like he's ultimately the better back, so we'll see how that plays out. We don't have time to talk about it, but I will tout it. Neil wrote a really interesting take on why it's time to trade Deshaun Watson in your fantasy leagues. Give it a look on thewashingtonpost.com. Sunday, I'm going to be watching the Cowboys and the Redskins. One, because it's a great rivalry game. But two, because I think the Cowboys' pass rush is going to feast against the Washington Redskins. The Redskins' line is a shambles right now. Trent Williams needs knee surgery. He's basically doing all he can to put it off. Morgan Moses, the right tackle, has two sprained ankles. Brandon Scherf might quote-unquote, might be able to play with some sort of bionic knee brace, I'd guess. Even Spencer Long, the center, is banged up. This is not a good situation for Washington to go into a rivalry game. I think the Cowboys' defense is licking its chops. I want to see how it plays out, and I want to see how this Washington offense moves on if this is going to be the state of the line going forward, because they're already through their bye week. They're not going to get much healthier than they are right now. All right. That does it for this week. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can leave us a review while you're there. Check out all of our articles on thewashingtonpost.com and give us a shout-out on Twitter. I'm at Mike Post. I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at N. Greenberg. You're so excited about that, Neil. I'm excited about Twitter, at me, with all your feedback. All right, we'll catch you next week. See ya! See ya!